Hello, everyone. I'm Jolene Brewster. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome back to Wildflower and Whiskey, a celebration of strong women in the Canadian Rockies. Today, I have the honor of speaking with one of the strongest, coolest women I have ever met, Karina Birch. Karina is the co-founder and CEO of Rocky Mountain Soap, established in Camor, Alberta, and now one of our biggest national success stories. In the last 20 years, this company has redefined the culture around self-care and natural beauty. As we get ready to celebrate Mother's Day, I've asked Karina, mother of three, to share her recipe and perspective on work, life, and parenting balance. We will be talking about the similarities and differences between entrepreneurship and parenthood. So Karina, my first question for you today is, um, what are the expectations that you juggle, both as a CEO and a mother? And I w- I'd love to know like, how they're similar and, and how they're different. Mm. Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, there's a lot of, there can, what feels like, there can be what feels like a lot of pressure having both roles um, at the same time, being a mom and a CEO. And, you know, I think one thing I've realized, it, it's a great question because it made me think that there's a lot of expectations that are informally created through pattern. So for example, if I'm if I'm the one coming home and making dinner every day, that that pattern now becomes the expectation. Mm. And it's in it's informally built. Yes. Between two people or within the family. And similar to being in uh, leading a company where the job description is specific but also very vague and you're wearing multiple hats what I end up, if I end up, you know, doing something and it becomes the pattern, that's now the expectation that I'm going to take that on. And so looking for those opportunities where, you know, you don't have to be doing these things that actually through conversation, you can unwind some of these patterns that have been established and patterns need to change. Like it's different when, you know, your, your capacity and, and time and priorities shift as kids get older and go through different phases as an, as an organization evolves and changes and new people come and and leave. So I think looking for these patterns that have built these informal expectations and constantly looking to unwind and rebuild and taking a step back and thinking about what you need to get off your plate that maybe actually didn't need to be there in the first place or served a purpose at one point, but now, somebody can take that on and as the kids are getting older you know and now they're doing the dishes and they're doing their own laundry and you know if I kept the pattern of doing that for them that is then the expectation and so that also crosses over into into the company as well and I think about this um yeah idea of expectations accountability these are all really these are words um that we toss around that actually if we take a moment to to think about these words have meaning that have been created over time but if we think about what actually they're meant to do it changes our perspective and so you know the word 
um, expectations or accountability is actually doesn't serve us well in many ways because we often say, well, who's accountable for this? Like whether that's home or, or in the company. It's like, well, you know, Jolene's accountable for this, but what does that actually mean to hold somebody accountable to something? Like it's, it's clear that that's, you know, responsibility, that there's responsibility or ownership, but to be accountable, there's, there's many layers to that. Like what, what's in the way of preventing somebody from being accountable? Is it that how they work with somebody else or the process is broken or they're not clear how to get to success because there's something in the way. Like there's always, there's always, there's always conversation and curiosity that goes into the layers behind accountability that actually reveal the path there. It's never, there's this old saying that is this from this old, like cap, it's all, I hate even saying it from this, it's very kind of capitalist, almost colonial world of like, you need one throat to choke, right? This idea of accountability, like you need one person to mm. hold accountable. This is almost this aggressive idea that you're accountable, almost this like, don't let me down. But that, that, that pressure on people without understanding how to get to deliver success almost builds this environment of, of, of fear and lack of safety. And sometimes that, that it creates the system for the, let's say the environment for people to do something to get to success. That isn't the path that you would want them to use. They're skipping, you know, um, cutting corners, let's say. And so what I'm trying to say is that when we hold people accountable, when I hold people accountable either at home or at work, it's always with the lens of let's actually sit down and understand what it takes to get to where you're going. And a very simple example is the kids doing the dishes. So Cam and I decided we're doing all the meals, the kids are going to do the dishes. So And they've been watching us do the dishes for years. <laughs> and dishes aren't, aren't rocket science. It, there's nothing simpler than washing dishes and they've seen us do it so now it's your turn do the dishes like you would know how to do the dishes you've been watching us do it and they're fighting and it's never fully done and it's a bit of a disaster right mm -hmm. and then i'm frustrated like you're in you know i'm not saying this but i'm thinking like you're so incompetent like <laughs> you're like seriously you can't even do the dishes um this is so simple and you know these so you know, we're holding them accountable and then I'm, we're frustrated that they're not doing it well. And then I took a step back and thought, well, like, did we ever teach them how to do the dishes or show them how it, it might be fun? Like, yeah, you can't change that you're doing the dishes, but you can change how you approach it. And so just two times after dinner, I sat down and said, you know what, let's do them together. I'm going to show you my system, how to make it easy um, and effortless and just showed them the steps. If, if, if your job is the dishwasher, here's what you do. If your job is clearing the table and drying the dishes, here's what you do. So I said, there's two roles and we mapped it out and broke it down. And then, you know, two times doing that. And now they, I can hold them accountable because they know what to do. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like sometimes these words get in the way of actually creating a successful outcome. So whether that's expectations or holding people accountable, let's kind of look beyond that word and figure out what we're actually trying to do. I feel like that's good advice for marriage as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
when I grew up doing the dishes, we would go to Sylvan Lake and there would be a whole passel of kids. And, uh, you know, the parents would go through and they'd be like, oh, reject. And it was actually kind of fun, right? <laughs> we did that too. When my husband does the dishes, every single one is a reject. <laughs> and so I've given up. I clearly need to like take a step back. That's such a beautiful way of thinking outside the box with like, you know, both people within your company inspiring them or at home with your kids. And, you know, work should be fun. It should be fun. Because yeah. I think that's how, why you and I get up and go to work and build a company because it actually is fun. And, and it, it's filled with little drab jobs, but if you take pride in it, it, it still feels good. Yeah, totally. And, you know, my, a friend of mine a couple of years ago taught me this saying, like, what if this was the best thing to ever have happened? Like, what if this was the best possible thing to have ever happened? And oftentimes, just that shift to your point, whether it's being fun or whether it's looking for the opportunity in something, does shift our energy towards it, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, okay, I really like that, that uh, answer. That's going to give me a lot to think about. Um, my next question is more of a personal one. Uh, what do you do outside of work to, um, yeah, to help you keep a balanced life, keep your mind creative, um, stay inspired? What, what's, what's kind of your personal outlet? I mean, it's, <clears throat> I would say it's changed throughout the years, but it recently I've gotten into animal tracking and did a course and it's, it's really held me kind of, it's held my focus now for, for a couple of years because it taught me. I think you have to explain to me what animal oh, tracking animal is. Oh, animal tracking. So looking for, yeah, good question. It's looking for signs, footprints, um, dens, homes, like. Um, and where do you do this? Feeding sites. I mean, it can be in the, in the back yard on the river trails when I'm out on a hike I mean it's literally everywhere looking for signs that animals have been present and so it's literally everywhere mm. in the city in the mountains on the driveway um you know on a tree stump where squirrels left little remnants of a cone um and so what it what I didn't expect I was very curious about that world and understanding, you know, when I'm out for a walk, there's all these footprints, but what are, what story are they telling? So I took this course and what it did that I didn't expect is made me just so hyper aware of my surroundings. And it's like, I can't, it's almost like I can't even focus when I'm out for a walk because there's all these signs everywhere and you're piecing together these stories. And and it's held my focus for quite some time and also brought a lot of inspiration um, into the family because now I'm getting the kids, teaching them some things and mm -hmm. getting them excited. And then also at Rocky Mountain Soap is where, you know, we, you know the animal connection isn't tied to the company, but how the, how the plants and the trees and their signs, you know, you know I've been doing some work on collecting wild um, native plants and we've been doing some extracts so those two worlds blend like when we're foraging 
and we're seeing the animal signs around i mean those that that is the same world and yeah i mean it's it it made me hyper aware of every little detail around me and i'm all of a sudden though there's wild chamomile in the crack in my driveway that i never saw before mm. or you know there's you know in the corner of the driveway at the office which is it's in the industrial area, so it's a bit of a mess, and nothing's like really well landscaped. But <laughs> always, like, there's always a little patch of of something growing, and on the corner of the driveway, there's like thirteen species of of different weeds that are growing there, and many of them have medicinal properties. and And the fun thing, like, if you if you go deep into into this world, and then you you actually I discovered that some of these species of plants now now i'm talking switching to plants um are 300 million years old wow like some of them are a hundred million years older than humans (laughs) and they still survive so um yeah that's that that whole world has really sucked me in and taken me in lots of different places and experimenting with different things oh that's that's fantastic and I and I love that you actually said it can be anywhere it's it's in the city it's in your driveway it doesn't have to be in this perfect pristine environment that you've hiked an hour to get into no in fact many people in this animal tracking class lived in a major city okay and they're seeing signs in their parks you know in 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 an urban setting seeing these amazing things what a way to um stay present that's like that you know as we walk around instead of being focused on our our phone or the time or where we've got to get to because what we're doing next uh, it it keeps you present because you're looking around you it's true it makes you feel quite small in the whole scheme of things oh i love that yeah um all right well so you Rocky Mountain Soap Company is based on, um, yeah, daily self-care and making healthy choices and, 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 this, and this beautiful premise. What is your uh, daily self-care routine or something that you've come to rely on or that you crave doing every day that just um, makes you feel good? Yeah, I mean, I, my routines always change because I find I get a bit bored of the same thing all the time. But... One thing that's been consistent for a long time is a morning meditation. Could be five minutes, but usually it's 10 to 15. And I know you'll love this, but my cup of tea. <laughs> and and I'm not just saying that because it's you. Um, I know we talked about this before we started the podcast, but I am I am so in love right now with a cup of pure tea. I was telling you, this is you know fermented black tea that I started to drink and research and just get really, you know, fall in love with. And I look forward to it. I, it's, there's something in it that makes me feel so calm. Mm. So it's really nice um, after a meditation or even just to start the day. And, you know, often I'll sit and drink my tea and even just read for five minutes, whether that's the local paper or a book I'm into and it's you know for many years I would get up and it was always a race to when the kids were little I mean you don't you don't sit (laughs) and have a cup of tea right 
You know, you're just you're in it from the day you wake shower in the morning. No, it's (laughs) there's no time to do self care the moment you wake up, Mm -hmm. right? But when the kids now that the kids are older, I find I've claimed back this morning routine, and it's it's just such a lovely way to start the day. It really it sets the tone for Mm. for the whole day. I love that. Um. What are your thoughts on time alone versus time with friends? And I ask that because I I think that we live in an extremely social community, which is so fulfilling and so wonderful, uh, but it has created a tricky balance in my life. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I love time alone. I could I think there was a woman in Spain who came out of a cave after 500 days. I was like, oh, that's actually somewhat appealing. <laughs> like, I mean, I would never do it. I'd lose my mind. But the idea of being solitary like that, it there's something in that that I really, that appeals to me. However, if I had to choose, it would always be time with friends because friends are great at getting you out of your head and into your body mm. more, right? Like they're, when I'm alone, it's, I'm, I'm thinking I'm doing right. And, and I, and I go deep in that and that's great. I love it. But when I'm out with, with my good friends, there's laughter, there's lightheartedness. It's, um, it's always just such a breath of fresh air, whether I feel like it or not. Mm. I always leave feeling like my whole self, like, you know, just the edge of the day has, has disappeared. I think that is so beautiful. And as an introvert, I also crave time alone. And I love my alone time, but I know exactly what you're saying. Like, friendship is a gift. And yeah. and it does get you out of your own head. It does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, okay, so just a, a few final words. Because we are headed towards Mother's Day, what is your favorite way to spend Mother's Day? Oh. Well, I mean... The kids are still so sweet and lovely that I love to be with them. And they're always showing up with the cutest things, you know, for Mother's Day. Um, So it doesn't matter what we do as long as uh, we're doing it together. But I have to say, I do try to get them out, you know, for a little hike or a walk. Now they rebel about stuff like that because they feel they're too old to be doing that with their parents um, and want to make their own decisions in terms of their activities. But Mother's Day is the one day I get to. Like, oh, we're all going for a hike and they can't complain. Is there any advice that you would give a new mom? Oh, I mean, I feel like I did so many things wrong with the first in terms of, I, you know, in terms of my own self-care. Like, I just approached it with so much intensity. I'm going to do this perfect. And mm-hmm. I think I really lost myself for many years and, and learned how to do it better over time by the third. And so I really think that, you know, my, it's, it's a great question. I think about immediately went to what I would tell my own daughters if they became mothers, but yeah, I would be figuring out how to let go of feeling like you're the only person who can keep this baby alive and, and, mm. and well, and, and from, like from from early days, like figuring out how you can give that responsibility to somebody for a moment to give yourself a break and getting that pattern established right away, 
I mean, it's just so easy to get stuck in this idea that I have to be with this baby all the time. Mm. So yeah, my mind goes back to those early days of maybe not doing it right and then figuring out what that looks like over time. I I think that is very interesting because, you know, especially as your kids get a little bit older, I think that it's so important to lead by example, which means they need to see you doing wonderful, happy, healthy things as opposed to just being their sole caretakers and encouraging them to do their best. Like they, they need to follow you. Yes. Um, That's great. Uh, anyway, that was absolutely amazing. I have loved every second of this conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I was very excited (laughs) to come to the tea house and spend this time with you. So thank you. Well, you drove through snowstorm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's sunny and beautiful now, but we did Um, have a weird snowstorm. Amazing. Have a good day, everyone.